webcast or whatever else is going on. Push buttons. Let me get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study through the Old Testament. We're actually in the middle of a study through the whole Bible. I've read somewhere where people do that. They call it the Bible through the year. Have you ever seen it? That looks pretty good. We're doing the Bible in 20 years. So uh, I'm just a little slower than some folks, I guess. We got a 20-year plan. We're seven years in. So we're, we're like a third done. And that's good. We've done all of the New Testament, a chapter at a time. We've worked through the book of Genesis, uh, all of it. And we're in the book of Exodus now. We'll be in chapter 12 today. I love to look at the Scripture like this in context. Um, it, it just sort of helps you see how it all ties together. And uh, in, in understanding and reading the Bible, context is a huge deal because you don't want to take little pieces out of context to make it say something it's not trying to say. And so we, we like to study it in context, and we take our time, and we dig through it. And um, we're in the book of Exodus now, 12 chapters in. Lots of stuff has been going on. The last time that I taught when we met on a Wednesday night, we, uh, I, I talked on the feasts, the seven feasts, um, because I wanted you to have a sort of an awareness of those things as we, as we move through um, the Old Testament together. <clears throat> Passover is the first of those seven feasts commanded, and uh, we'll see more of that happening here tonight in Exodus 12. Um, first fruits, uh, no, unleavened bread is the second feast. Um, we talked about what that looks like. You'll also see that introduced here tonight. And then there's first fruits, and then there's Pentecost, and then there's uh, trumpets and atonement and tabernacles. And um, if you were here last week, I said of those seven feasts, four have been fulfilled already. Um, by Jesus and the Holy Spirit um, and perfectly on the days and the dates and the times and exactly what was supposed to happen, Jesus fulfilled the first three. The Holy Spirit came and on the Pentecost fulfilling perfectly feast number four. Um, after feast four and between the feast five was the long summer harvest. That's the season we're at now. The next one that comes up is trumpets. Guess what happened to trumpets? We know we get, that's when we all get caught up. So we're we're in the harvest, and we're supposed to be busy in the harvest, which fits in well with everything else. Knowing that those first four feasts have been fulfilled gives us lots of hope about the next three. And, um, and so we're to be busy waiting, but making the best of the time. And that's where we're at right now. We're, we're in this time prophetically between the fourth feast and the fifth feast. So as we study the feasts, and should he tarry, um, and we get through the whole Old Testament, you'll have places to go. Could be that this is the last chapter we get to. Maybe I don't even finish this chapter because Jesus comes back. You just never know. And uh, I'm up for that, packed, ready to go. Ready to stay. That's how we're supposed to be, right? Okay, so um, so far in the, in the Exodus, uh, you know, we've been going through this series of plagues. And they're very difficult to read through. It's a very difficult sort of chapter in, in uh, what's happening. There's a lot of loss of life. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of loss of um, crops and herds and you name it. Um, and this is happening because um, Egypt has kept the nation of Israel now as slaves, um, has treated them not well. Um, and we're 400 years into there, 430 years from the time they arrived in the scene. Initially, they were treated quite well, you remember, when they came and Joseph took care of them and set them up. But at some point in time, Pharaoh's changed, things change, 
They've been using the Hebrew nation as a slave force for a long time. Um, it was time for them to go. God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Um, and he backed it up with signs, and Pharaoh refused. And so the plagues started, a series of ten. And they got increasingly worse each time. And Pharaoh looked like he would relent from time to time. Then he goes, never mind, I changed my mind. And, and so you've, you've had nine fairly horrific plagues. The last couple have been really bad. Um, the tenth one is the worst of all, and that's the death of the firstborn son. Um, all of these plagues have been demonstrating that God is, in fact, who He says He is, and that the false gods of the Egyptians are just that, false gods, little g-gods, that are no match for the one true God. And um, they've, they've sort of been aimed specifically at their what their false little g-gods sort of stood for, and we've watched that go uh, all along the line. Uh, now, the tenth one, the death of the firstborn son, the, the firstborns were uh, son in Egypt, and, and in most of that time and culture were considered sort of the favored um, son um, and favored child, and everything sort of fell to them. Pharaoh's son in particular, firstborn, would have been considered to be like Pharaoh and be, you know, the divine sort of recipient, so this was going to be a big um, challenge to all of that, uh, and um, and so the th- this time is coming, uh, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. Now Passover though marks a, a whole new beginning for the nation of Israel, and it it really does bind them together as a nation. This this is going to um, from this point forward they're they're going to be moving differently in this process. Remember when they came into Egypt, um, there were seventy of them. They're going to leave two million people, four hundred years later. And they're going to leave as a nation um, from, from this event. And, um, you know, whenever God liberates you from bondage, it's, it's the dawning of a new day. It's the beginning of a new life. It's a picture of what happens to us when we come to Christ. We're set free from the bondage of the enemy, and we get new life. Um, and that's the, you know, we've been redeemed. Um, um, whenever you sort of see the idea of being redeemed or redemption uh, in the New Testament, it's... Um, it's speaking of a freedom from slavery. We were slaves to sin. We've been set free from that. Uh, and what, what the Jewish believers would get is this. When they would think of Passover, they would think of redemption, of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And through the blood of the Lamb, um, which has great significance for us uh, in, in the way that we understand that in Christ. Um, now, the Jewish nation, before I start to read Exodus 12, um, from this point in time, um, the Old Testament, they, they're going to have two calendars. There's sort of a civil calendar that begins in September and October, and there's a religious calendar that begins in our March or April. Um, New Year's Day in the civil year is, um, falls in the seventh month, which is you know, our sort of uh, September, October, um, and so their civil calendar begins with Rosh Hashanah. Um, but the, the Jewish, the, the religious calendar, the one that God instituted here, begins with the Passover. And so that's sort of the mark of that. It marks the beginning of the religious year. And at Passover, the focus is on the lamb. Now, this is interesting. If you, if you remember back in Genesis 22, um, when, when uh, Abraham had taken Isaac up on the mount for a sacrifice, and Isaac sort of looked around and asked the question, where's the lamb? Um, and, you know, God's going to provide one. Well, biblically, the answer to that question really happens when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins 
of the world. So the question that Isaac asks way back in Genesis is answered um, up in the New Testament by John the Baptist. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Uh, and, um, and so this, this whole picture of the Passover Lamb that's taking place is a picture of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a type of what's taking place in that process. So when we read about what's happening with this Lamb, um, it's fascinating that, that we can see now the picture of what's going on with us in Christ. So you're going to see that this lamb was chosen on the tenth day of the month, and, and um, it, was, it was taken into the family and carefully watched for four days uh, to make sure that it met the requirements for the sacrifice. And, and so also, the family would literally take this lamb in, a one-year-old lamb. They would get attached to it, uh, and uh, the sacrifice was a big deal. Um, it was never to be taken lightly. And so that was going to add a little more meaning to what was going to take place. And, and if you remember, the, the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, that Passover week that was happening, um, Jesus is questioned in all sorts of ways, and he stands up to the test of who he is um, in the process. There were trials and interrogations. He was repeatedly questioned. He passed every test, and he knew no sin. So he, he matches and makes the requirement perfectly. He is the perfect lamb of God. But the, the Hebrew children took in the, the lamb, um, and for four days they examined the lamb, sort of took care of the lamb, and, and uh, it was part of the process. Now on the 14th day of the month, that lamb was slain, and its blood was applied to the doorposts uh, and the frames of their houses. And, and um, and so it wasn't the life of the lamb that saved the people from judgment. Um, it was the death of the lamb that saves them from judgment. Uh, and so it's a pretty big deal. Um, and in effect, what that means to us is um, it's, it's, it's the death of Jesus. He defeats death and rises again. But it's his willingness to give his life that gives us an opportunity to be set free and saved and released from bondage. So it's, it's not enough to just say, oh, I like Jesus and his teachings and all that other stuff. Um, that's great, but he had to do what he did in order for us to be reconciled to God. Uh, and so, he, you know, he was our substitute. He dies um, our death for us, in effect, and suffers a judgment for our sin. Um, also, what you're going to see, for this to be effective, back then they had, to, they had to apply the blood to the frames and to the doorposts, because uh, he says, when I see it, I'll pass over you um, in the process. And so, it's in the same way, it's not enough to know that, that Christ died for the sins of the world. Um, you have to appropriate that in your own lives, that the Son of God loves you and gave Himself for you, as, as Paul said in Galatians 2. And, and so, you know, we have to understand that He's our Lord and He's our God, and the blood of, of Christ has to be applied to our own lives. It's not, it's not enough to know about it. It's something that we get actively involved in, in relationship with Him. And so um, we're going to dig into Exodus 12. It's pretty long. I'm going to read the whole thing to you, and we'll, we'll talk about it, you know, highlight it on the other side. There's sort of two parts to the passage. Um, the first 20 verses are the Lord's instructions to Moses um, uh, about the, the festival, and then um, the second part uh, is um, sort of the, the observance of the festival. So I'm going to be in Exodus 12. There's 51 verses. If you're following me along on that note sheet, I'm not sure if we got all 51 verses on there. I think I got 47. Georgina said she was going to fix it. I don't know if she did. I didn't look. Um, huh? She got them all on there? Because I had it in the header, and I'm like, I ran out of room, but then she fixed it. So, um, but whatever translation you like, if the Bible's on the rows, you can go with those. Verse 1, the Lord 
said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month each, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are determined the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you're to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. Whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you're to eat bread made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses. And whoever eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel, whether he is an alien or native born. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frames. Not one of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frames and will pass over that doorway. He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when He struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight... The Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go, and also bless me. 
The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, We will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them what they asked for so they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, flocks, and herds. With the dough they had brought from Egypt, they baked cakes of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelites' people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt... On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the regulations for the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. Any slave you have brought may eat of it after you have circumcised him, but a temporary resident and a hired worker may not eat of it. It must be eaten inside one house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. An alien living among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat of it. The same law applies to the native born and to the alien living among you. All the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Lots happened in that chapter in 10 minutes. We'll... We'll highlight some of it. So, uh, first couple of verses, God tells Moses and Aaron about the time of the Passover. As I said, this feast was to mark a new age in, in history of Israel. Um, you know, the, the, the first month, he said, the first month of your year. And so, this, this new religious calendar was instituted. Um, and, and there's still two calendars. So, there's a civil calendar and this, this religious calendar. Um, uh, the first month in Israel's religious calendar is called Abib, which means um, fresh young ears because the barley harvest was going to happen. We talked about that last week. And, um, and so this, this new calendar sort of introduces a new identity um, for Israel as that they will be seen um, as the true people of God and the favored people of God in the process. Um, verses 3 through 6 that phrase, the whole community of Israel, is used for the first time in the Old Testament there. It refers to them as a nation. And so, so now they're, they're referred to as a nation, two million strong um, in the process. Um, and like I said, that's happened over this 430-year span. They've grown from 70 to two million. Um, this, this celebration, Passover, was, was celebrated in homes, but it was celebrated by the entire community. So, so they were together in that sense that all of them were to partake of the Passover, which is still celebrated um, today. And um, again, this, this, uh, this lamb that I talked about, it's a, it's a picture of Jesus in lots of ways, um, but, but they would have taken this lamb in and um, so sort of get the idea. It would, have sort of, it would have become part of the family at some level, and then it needed to be sacrificed. It was to... Uh, you know, sin, we never want to take sin lightly and the, the depths that God has gone to 
to deal with sin for us so that we can be in relationship with him. Um, we can sometimes sort of lose sight of how amazing that is, that he has indeed covered it in himself, in Christ. Um, and, and yet all of this is a picture of that whole process that's going on. Then um, uh, verses 7 through 11, instructions are given on observing the Passover. Um, and, and so even though it was in homes, they would be a united community in serving, um, in, in uh, observing the Passover. The blood of the animal, again, was to be placed on the door frames of the houses. Um, that was very important um, so that it, it could be seen, so they would be passed over. Um, the, the, the animal meat was to be roasted, um, not eaten raw the way some of those the pagan rituals were. Um, uh, they were to eat it with bitter herbs, um, which was to remind them of you know, some of the difficulties that were going on. The bread without yeast... Um, that whole process is because there wasn't time. It, it all happened so quickly when it happened. Um, they, they, they left without having mixed yeast into the bread. And, um, and so that's what's happening in that process. And so uh, the lamb without blemish or defect is a picture of Christ. And um, the bitter herb sort of symbolized sorrow or grief. Um, and, you know, it, it was sort of a picture of that last 430 years in Egypt and what they had suffered um, and the bread without yeast. It's about leaving in haste um, in the process. And they ate the meal ready to travel, which is kind of interesting. So they were, they were told to be ready to go, and I don't, they were probably like surprised at how quickly they're actually going to go um, because th- this whole process has now been going on for a while. We don't know how long it, this process of plagues has taken, but it's taken a while, and um, now it's time and it comes when it's time, it's time. Um, Verses 12 through 14, God says, On that very night, at midnight, after the Israelites had eaten the Passover lamb with the herbs and the bread, he would, the process would begin. And um, he would pass through, and the firstborn son uh, in in, uh, in an animal, every Egyptian family um, would die. And um, this plague, as I said, it, it brings judgment on all the false gods of Egypt that, that God is, in fact, who he said he is, that he's the Lord. Uh, and so Pharaoh's eldest son, his successor, as I said, with you know, supposedly divine properties, he would have been killed in the process. Um, and it, it also sort of went after Min, one of the false Egyptian gods, who was the god of reproduction, uh, and, and Isis, the, the goddess of love. All, all of these would have been shown to be false in their process, and that God was the one true God. Um, and so the and get the blood was put on the doorpost. We talked about that, um, and and the blood of the animal was the means of deliverance and escaping death. Christ's blood is the means of redemption for us as believers. This celebration, um, God tells Moses, is to be celebrated annually um, for generations to come as a lasting ordinance. And so when I talked about the feast, those seven were lasting ordinances. Those were the seven that the people of Israel needed to um, celebrate every year. They needed to be observed. And they were, they were put in place as reminders and, and pictures. And, and so we're, we're blessed, those of us in Christ, when we can look and see that they were pointing to Jesus all along. Um, it's, it's very helpful for us to see that. And, and the idea was that 
anybody with eyes to see it after observing it for that long would have seen how Jesus was falling into place with these things. Um, and so the early believers saw it, but, um, you know, again, a lot of people reject it, as they still do in the process. But these, these seven feasts were to be observed annually, and it was a festival to the Lord. Then we also see verse 15 through 20, that next, that second feast that we talked about on leavened bread comes into play, uh, and um, that's a big part of this whole process, a lasting ordinance, and again, perfectly fulfilled. The, the broken body of Jesus is the, the bread of life, and He gives His body for us. Um, then the, the, uh, the chapter progresses. Uh, Moses, beginning in verse 21, he gives the elders the instructions that the Lord gave him about the Passover. And so now he's telling them how to make it happen. So that first chunk was God speaking to Moses. Now Moses is telling everybody else, here's what you need to do with the blood. And here you take, some, uh, uh, take a branch of hyssop and you, you, uh, you put it on the, the uh, doorpost so that you're passed over. And um, uh, they were also t- told again, make sure you observe this. Make sure you teach your children what's going on. This is a continual ordinance. And when your children ask, you make sure you tell them. Again, as believers, we're to make sure that we are teaching our children the things of the Lord. Um, It's an encouragement. They don't just pick it up by osmosis. We need to make sure that we're instructing them um, and that they're getting instruction. It's good, you know, bring them to Sunday school and all those other things, but we need to back that up and make sure that we're we're sharing with them the things of the Lord so that they understand them. You'll see in the Old Testament as we continue on, they stop doing that. Within a generation, the people forget about God. They don't know anything about Him because the Nobody told them. They just stopped talking about them. And all of a sudden, you got like in a generation, you have a whole group that doesn't know God. And that happens, unfortunately, repeatedly um, throughout the course of their history. You'll see it. They just don't know who He is. Um, so it's why it's so important for us to make sure we're teaching our children the things of the Lord as we can and uh, continue in that process. Uh, then we find out that this 10th plague happens at midnight. Um, when it takes place, there's great wailing, as you can imagine, throughout the land. Everybody's experiencing this huge loss. Um, and uh, it, this is finally what compels Pharaoh to let Israel go. And, uh, and so, verses 31, Pharaoh releases the Israelites that night. No restrictions. Remember, all along, he keeps saying, okay, you can go, but make sure you leave your women and children. But leave all your cattle. But you can't go for that long. But he's had all those restrictions. Now he's just like get up and get out. And, um, and just as God had said, he lets them go. And um, remember Pharaoh, who was considered a god and considered himself a god, um, at, finally at the end of this, it's kind of, it kind of tossed in there all of a sudden. He says all those things, get out. Oh, and by the way, bless me. Kind of interesting to see that happen. But uh, uh, it, maybe he finally got it, that he wanted to be out from underneath the curse and... and in the blessing of the Lord, but it's not going to last long. He's going he's to regret his decision here shortly and go chasing after them. But we'll see how that comes. Um, so um, this happened so quickly, really the beginning of it, verse 34, that the people take unleavened bread dough because they didn't have time to make bread. And, um, so, and, and also, we talked about this coming. He told them, get ready and go and ask all your neighbors for the Egyptians ask them for their stuff that you need to borrow or take. He didn't really say borrow. Go ask them for stuff that you need it for the worship, and they give it to them. And they, so they end up 
like with all of the silver and gold and everything, and the Egyptians are like, get out, go ahead, here you go. And uh, that's how they kind of start as a nation. They get, and it's in effect payment for 400 years labor. So it's not like, anyway, God takes care of those things and said he would, that they would go with stuff. And certainly they do. Um, They leave from Ramses and they journey to Sukkoth and uh, 600,000 Israelite men Women and children, they, they, they imagine that the number is at least 2 million. And then it says there's, um, and, and these people aren't numbered. There's a whole other group of people. I don't, you caught that. Um, and you think, well, who are these people that leave with them? Lots of different sort of ideas on that. But uh, some of the Egyptians apparently were swayed enough by the 10 plagues that they thought, we're going to go with you. And uh, they can't partake of this ordinance until they, they have to, back then they had to get circumcised. So, um, but they were invited in, and, and they even says, now Israel, who's been a slave nation, has slaves with them. So, s- some things change drastically in a very short period of time. And um, it's also in numbers, it tells us that, though, that it's this group that really stirs up trouble. Um, and they, they cause the Israelites to complain against Moses when the, this journey starts out. There's some things that aren't going the way they want. And uh, so, these people cause some problems initially. And uh, the people ate unleavened bread. That's why it's part of that, that uh, process uh, along the way. They didn't have time. They were busy. And so they baked unleavened bread without yeast. Um, 430 years is what we're told is how long this takes. Other passages talk about 400 years or about 450 years, but the Exodus passage gives us the uh, total time in Egypt. And um, we have that and he talks on a little bit about some of these foreigners that are around. And that's pretty much the heart of it. You're gonna, we're going to stay. It's a fascinating story. It keeps, it keeps fascinating for a while as you watch them leave and as you watch Pharaoh change his mind and chase after them with his armies and you watch the armies drowned in the Red Sea. And uh, again, that's a lot like Pharaoh's decision to drown all the males of... Uh, of the Israel Israelites, that there's a there's a significant sort of comeuppance for that uh, in the Red Sea. So um, that and more, if you get a chance, read ahead a little bit. If not, we'll talk about it once you're here. If you're watching by video, thank you for doing that, and uh, come and visit us when you can. We will see you soon.